Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. And as we get ready for playoff baseball, lots of exciting matchups uh, and first round, wild card round to a breakdown. Three game series, different rules, uh, more teams, a little bit of news and notes. And of course, we can't let you escape without our final Pirates positive note of the season. Uh, so all that more coming up. As always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games, playoff games, and movies of choice, uh, come hungry, leave happy. Corey, how you doing? I am doing great. We have cut down from the regular season of 30. We are down to 16 teams, which is a lot more than usual, but hey, playoff baseball, every game counts now. Eight games tomorrow. I'm uh, just... I'm raptured it's so amazing i'm ESP- so excited espn is is putting up a uh, i think they're calling it the, the suicide squeeze or something like that the squeeze oh, really it's meant to be the equivalent of the nfl's red zone channel uh where they're going to do snapshots in different games when something happens they're just going to take you I live it. to it uh so i'll be curious to see what that looks like tomorrow but uh playoff baseball is here and uh, we have lots of uh, matchups to uh uh, that we're going to walk through here, do a, a wild card preview. But before we get there, we're going to tackle a couple of the more key injuries that have taken place, uh, a couple of news and notes, a few things that will affect the strategy uh, for this first round of playoffs. So we're going to cover that here as we get going. So why don't you uh, kick us off with some of the injury uh, updates? We only really got two this week because I kept some of the – cut it down to the teams that were either in the playoffs. We'll talk about those later and some of the major ones. So let's get to talk about Nolan Arenado. He, his season ended a little prematurely, just a few days. He went on the IL at the very end. They called it a shoulder bone bruise and AC joint inflammation. For what it's worth, he said if his team was in competitive competition still, still competitive, he would have kept playing. But it really was a down year for him, not his usual super elite self. He still has another six years and $200 million left on that contract with the Rockies, but he could opt out after next season. And there's been speculation for a long time about him possibly being traded out of Colorado going to be an interesting season off season for Nolan Arenado. That's an interesting team that we'll cover in the uh, in the off season as part of the hot stove uh, uh, updates as we look at different teams and and potential off season plans but the the Rockies are kind of at a uh, a crossroads right now for how they go about preparing for for next year in the future. Yeah, I I think that they're going to keep Arenado at least into the middle of next season but if that team, if some team like the New York Yankees comes with a, a ransom for him, you could see him traded yet. The team that would make sense, like, can you think of it, any team that is out of the luxury tax that has uh, a large amount of capital uh, to work with, there's two teams, actually, that make sense. One is the Boston Red Sox, because mm-hmm. uh, they have the money to do it, even mm-hmm. in a COVID year, and then the Texas Rangers. Those are the Ooh, two teams that's a good one. That, that make the that. most sense from a... Uh, again, Boston doesn't have as much of the third base need. They, they you always yeah, find room for them. Fine. Sure, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's where again, who's got the biggest pockets that would be motivated enough to do it? That would give a, a new star in uh, uh, for Boston as they look at uh, getting out of the uh, the rebuild mode. Uh, and Texas, it's, it's their type of player. They need more offense, right? They're yep. they finished, I think, dead last in the league in offense, if I'm not mistaken. 
a team that competed more than we thought they would this year. Got some excellent news. This might be the best news we've heard all year is that Trey Mancini, superstar or star for the Baltimore Orioles, missed all this season battling cancer. He completed chemotherapy on September 21st. Awesome news. Nice to uh, see it, uh, him get to that stage. And uh, it sounds like we're going to be able to start talking about uh, him and, and baseball. Good. Uh, uh, together, and that's uh, that's always a positive. The first one is the most important, and it shows you that that's going well when you can start talking about him and his future with with baseball. All all positive things. Yeah, because I mean, not only did he beat chemo, right? He's been battling chemo during the worldwide pandemic year, so he certainly had a weakened immune system, and apparently he's gotten through all of it. And we wish him the best. And like you said, now we can start talking about him going back to playing first base or DH or outfield. And the Baltimore's building something over there, no question quicker than I thought yeah they've uh it's been uh, uh some offensive players others that have come up again they uh they faded uh at, at the end which again no one expected them they, they already exceeded expectations we thought they'd be down there with Pittsburgh yeah and, and they they have some building blocks there uh and that's the positive as they move into uh, to next year let's talk some news here let's start with let's start with Araldis Chapman you should start with it because this is your this is your story here. I I don't understand it. Uh, I'm tired of Yankee uh, a different set of rules, <laughs> and this is what happened again. A Rollis Chapman after throwing a 101 mile an hour fastball a few weeks ago at uh, Tampa Bay Rays uh, hitter Mike Brousseau's head uh, after the uh, the stable comments and uh, key quotes from the season uh, as a result of that. Again, I said before on this podcast, Kevin Cash said what he said to force Major League Baseball to have to do something about it. Uh, and this is baseball pretty much saying, okay, you forced us, but now we can just drag our feet with us. So because they couldn't get the witnesses together in a hearing, <laughs> his suspension is now being carried over to next year. He will not serve anything within nope. it. His appeal will not be officially heard until next season. And I'm sorry, there's no way that that isn't just a load of crap uh, that Major League Baseball did not actually address this. If you're going to suspend him, suspend him. Or if you're not, not. Don't do this middle ground BS, uh, which is all that this was. It's classic It's classic kicking the can down the road because you don't want to deal with it right now. And like you said, it it's some Yankees bias in there, I'm sure. They're, they're still the most popular team in America. They've been the most they popular were, team forever. They were trying to stay in a postseason chase when they were struggling yep. within this, and losing your key star closer for three games uh, was not something in a COVID year that they wanted to, uh, to do. So they allowed this uh, to happen. Because, again, I think someone, uh, a reporter mentioned, like, hasn't anyone ever heard of Zoom? Like, <laughs> you, you don't have to be in the same room. Like, you, you can handle this in, a, in an easier way. The entire world has found say, a way 2020 has to become the year of with Zoom. Zoom. 2020. So there is absolutely no excuse to not do whatever you need to do to have the appropriate uh, hearing done like you did for everything else. You managed to do it for all the other ones. Exactly. So That's the joke. part that makes no sense to me is, like you said, We've seen Joe Kelly get a suspension appealed. We've seen Absolutely. other players like the Ramon Noriano got his suspension appealed. How was it all this Chapman couldn't? You had, was it two weeks ago you said already? Like, and now they just yeah. kicked it down the road and now we have to wait a whole off season. No one will remember. He might get a three-game suspension, but a three-game suspension in a 60-game season is a lot different than a three-game suspension in a 162-game season. And in April versus in a, in a, sure. a playoff chase in October. So, uh, yeah, it... it uh, 
pinstripe bias, that's where I'll leave it at. Let's take the other pinstripe news out of the way. I'm not really sure if it's news because no one thought that it was going to go the other way. Giancarlo Stanton, he had an opt-out clause. He would have opted out of seven years and $218 million. Uh, He's extremely injury prone, very talented, still very good when he plays, but no one's walking away from that. No, you're not walking away Uh -uh. from that contract when you've only played uh, limited games the last now, every season he's been in New York, he's never hit a full – I don't think he's even had to 140. So I don't think so. You're not going to opt away from that type of money, which that all the contract is also extremely backloaded. So, yeah, that's no surprise. He'll keep playing in New York for the next seven – I don't. there might be another opt-out in there. Otherwise, seven years. And the last uh, Yankees note uh, for this is DJ LeMahieu uh, winning a batting title for uh, first person to do that with uh, – An American League and a National League team. So LeMahieu won it. Yep. A few years ago with Colorado, yep. and everybody thought, okay, well, that's great. He's in Colorado. He's taking advantage of that park, and he absolutely did. And then they said, well, he's going to New York, and yeah, he's still a pretty good player, but he's not He's not going to win these titles. Well, last year he finished second behind Tim Anderson, and this year he they flip-flopped. Tim Anderson finished second to him, and DJ LeMayu became the first player in modern history to win it in both, both leagues, and DJ LeMayu is an excellent player. At this point, there's no denying it. He's a free agent after this offseason. I'm curious to see what his contract looks like. I would fully expect the Yankees to pay up for that one. I guess it's uh, 345, 460, something Something like like, that. Oh, yeah. I could see that easily. Uh, We have... uh, uh, Let's go firings. uh, Because when you get to the end of the year, that's when you have uh, some of those cleaning house uh, situations. Ron Renneke is now... Out with the Boston Red Sox, fueling speculation that Alex Cora, uh, after serving his one-year suspension, could be uh, resuming his managerial role with Boston. Well, it was certain. So I've seen Ron Renneke as the manager of the Brewers. So as you remember, Ron Renneke managed the Brewers, and I had my criticisms of Ron Renneke, and I'm sure this was a very disappointing year in Boston. We didn't think they were going to be very good. We talked about that way back in our preseason previews. We didn't think that their pitching staff lined up to would be competitive. Now, it was worse than I think most of us thought because it, they, they didn't get the production out of some of their hitters that we thought they would even. So Ron Renneke being fired, he'll probably find a bench coach job. He's been a bench coach for years in baseball. He's and, a lifer. Yeah, he's a lifer. Alex Cora, the speculation has to start up again. Now, that's who they wanted to be their coach. He had to serve the suspension. That speculation has to fire up. I don't know if they'll get Alex Cora back. I, if I'm putting many on it, he's my guest to be their next manager again. I don't think he should be uh, for many different nope. reasons. Uh, plus, all you're going to hear throughout your offseason is all the negativity. It's not a positive hire. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a stubborn move uh, that also uh, gives uh, tells uh, Rob Manford that he's number one uh, oh, by yeah. going back and oh, uh, yeah. uh, just hiring him back as soon as you possibly can. Uh, and baseball, the world of baseball has spoken in, in terms of uh, what they believe is guilty and not guilty with the whole uh, trash can uh, fiasco uh, within this, and with him being the uh, one of the major architects of this thing, uh, I would not hire this guy. But uh, Boston is one of those stubborn organizations that if they think he's good for them, they don't care what anyone else thinks. Let's do the other firing while we're on this here. So the Angels, they fired their GM after a very disappointing 2020. I'm as disappointed as anyone on this podcast. And so they fired GM Billy Epler. He's been there five seasons. So that means that he's brought players. He signed Mike Trout to that monstrous extension. If you're an Angels fan, you got to love that. He signed Anthony Rendon to that big free agent deal last winter, and he brought in Shohei Otani. So they're three superstars. He brought them all in. 
Now, they have huge pocketbooks in Los Angeles with the Angels. And he's wasted a lot of Mike Trout's career. This is a team that cannot make the postseason. And that alone is why it's fireable. You could not get Mike Trout to the playoffs in the last five years. That alone is is, is fireable. And and the... Uh, as you're looking at it, like I said, you need someone who's going to find a way to build, but also dealing with an impatient owner. So it's it's mm-hmm. not the easiest place to uh, to try to navigate. Yeah, you have pocketbooks, but uh, you also have an owner with input uh, in that as well. So there's already a couple names that have gotten a lot of traction as being the next possible candidates. Dave Dombrowski, he's won with the Red Sox. He won with the Marlins. He's actually did a lot to help build the Tigers after they won't after he left, but you hear his name thrown a lot, thrown around a lot. And Jeff Lunau, another suspended person this year, ex with the Astros, um, helped him win two pennants in one world series in that time. Now he missed this entire year. So those are the two names that have been thrown around already. Either pref- any preference? Yeah. Dombrowski, uh, uh, no question. Uh, that's a hands down one right there. Someone who has done this with multiple organizations, but the only way he comes is if you 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 will have to tell him just how much of that pocketbook he's going to have access to. He's a big game hunter, oh, yeah. and you've already done that with Rendon and Trout, but he's going to want to be able to go out and get those types of players. Uh, so if you're uh, if you are saying you're close to that ceiling of what you can do, he won't go there. Uh, but if you're saying there's room to uh, expand the payroll and uh, move some things around. Uh, this sounds like the exact type of place that he would take on. I could see Dave Dombrowski going there, and we were talking about this guy before the podcast, but saying, you know what, we really need some pitching. You know, there's this guy in Cincinnati who's a free agent named Trevor Bauer. Let's let's open our pocketbooks up there, and they have Dylan Bundy for another year. Maybe Shohei Otani remembers how to throw a strike, and suddenly you got a pretty decent rotation if they're there. That's exactly it. I think that would be part of the plan. If he says, I want Trevor Bauer, I... Is there money to go get him? Mm-hmm. I think that's what will say whether or not uh, Dombrowski would seriously consider the, the the job or not. The turnaround could be quick then. Uh, very quick. Yeah. Uh, again, an ace at the top of the uh, the rotation. Dylan Bundy was a great uh, resurgent uh, uh, pick. Try to go for try to go for one more of those types of players, and then hope for a full year with Otani back. Uh, all of a sudden, you could have a very intriguing rotation, and you have the big boppers uh, to go in that lineup. So it makes complete sense. Let's talk some retirements here, huh? Yeah. End of the season, we got a couple of guys who've already announced their retirements. Uh, not Hall of Famers, but solid players the last decade plus. Alex Gordon retired from the Kansas City Royals. 14 seasons. He won seven gold gloves, three All-Star games, and he won the World Series in 2015. Uh Alex Gordon, for those of you who don't know, was considered like the top-end prospect at one time when he was coming up. He was the superstar. He was Joe Adele. And it never maybe developed to what people thought he would offensively, but absolutely a solid baseball career. Wish him all the best. Yeah, absolutely. Here's someone who maybe had was a victim of too high of ceiling the hype. Uh, expectations. Yeah, a victim of hype. Uh, and still went on to have a very good uh, Major League Baseball career. Was able to stay with one team. Uh, that's so hard to do uh, in any professional sport, uh, but he was able to uh, to do that with uh, the Royals, and yeah, a fantastic career. Excellent defender, had some all-star uh, appearances as a result, got his uh, championship uh, ring within it. Uh, yeah, wish him the best in all his future endeavors. 
another retirement, another outfield retirement, who actually kind of a resurgent year last year, but was one of the worst regular, I don't even want to say regular, but one of the worst players in baseball this year was Hunter Pence. Uh, not with one team, bounced around. He's been with the, Ange- the Astros, the Giants. He spent a little time with the Rangers in there. But he also announced his retirement. And so Hunter Pence, another guy, solid baseball career, multiple 20 home run seasons in there, a couple hundred RBIs. But he's done, and once again, you wish him all the best. One milestone to uh, cover is Yadier Molina got his 2,000th hit. Uh, there's uh, not a lot of catchers uh, that uh, make that type of uh, a list. If you remember back to our GOAT podcast, I had him in my top 10. I believe I had him yep. at 10th. Yep. And I still I feel good about that still. And so, yeah, like you said, it's not very much – not many catchers make it. There's Because I think they made him the ninth one all time to get to that point just because it's such a hard position to play that long so of a career. At. Yeah. The only other thing to highlight is just the playoff rules. Uh, for those that haven't maybe been paying close attention for uh, uh, a rule change – uh, as this goes back into there's no runner on second base uh, for any extra inning affair. It's uh, uh, the old rules revert, uh, and you go as many innings as it takes till you get uh, uh, till you get a winner. It's 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 classic baseball right now. We're not doing. It wasn't very popular with relief pitchers. Relief pitchers kind of hated it. I think is what we've heard a lot of, and so it's back to classic baseball. At least as far as that one goes, there's some other rules that are stay the same. Uh, the, the roster sizes stay expanded. The three batter minimum, which was going to be in effect pre-COVID, anyways, that one's still in effect. We're going to keep seeing DHs in both leagues. And then, as far as for the first round here, the wild card, they're going to be played in the, the stadiums, and that's when they're going to start the bubble. So after this first round, you're going to see the National League teams head to Texas, and the American League teams head to California, and uh, they're going to play a lot of baseball in a short amount of time here. And the biggest uh, uh, impact of decisions made here that's going to be the ripple effect for strategy is no off days. For the first couple of rounds here, it's a three-game series, three uh, three days in a row. You get to the uh, uh, the ALDS or the NLDS, the divisional round, same thing. It's, it goes through. There's no off day. So that is going to impact, again, uh, and that was kind of the design, uh, that is going to change how someone, how many innings you get from a starter versus going to the bullpen early. Uh, you only have so many of those guys and so many uh, arms there. That's going to play a key role. Well, when they, the advantage is usually you have a travel day in there. The off days are usually travel days, but when you're already all playing in the same park, there's no need for a travel day. So of course we've talked about baseball wants to get this done as not maybe as not as quick as possible, but you can only go so long here, or you're going to start going up against football and. You know, basketball's already in the playoffs. So right now there's sports galore, and they want to try and get as much t- TV money as they can. So if you can squeeze as many as, in as possible, you're going to do it. So we'll see how that, as we look at playoff matchups, and that's what we're going to move into here, uh, how that impacts uh, uh, the strategy of the teams. But as we look at each of these matchups, we're going to talk through them, and we're also going to give our, uh, our X Factor uh, on each team, what we're looking at in this three-game uh, wild card series. Uh, we'll start in the American League. We have uh, Tampa Bay Rays versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, we are, at least for the American League teams, uh, when this podcast comes out, we'll have uh, game one in the books. Uh, so we will be talking a little bit about uh, things that have happened in, in game one here uh, as we talk about overall uh, who we think is going to win uh, this round. Yeah, we... Uh Recording a little later than usual this week, but that's okay. So I'm just going to 
first go over what we know about Tampa Bay's rotation. We know that it's going to be Blake Snell pitched today, Tyler Glasnow is pitching tomorrow, and if there is a game three needed, it will be Charlie Morton. Okay, it's Toronto's rotation. I Matt Shoemaker started today with Robbie Ray kind of playing bullpen guy, so kind of an opener situation. Tomorrow they're going to go to their ace. Hyunjin Ryu is their best pitcher. I am assuming that if it goes to day three, that leaves Taiwan Walker. I'm thinking that's what they're going to do along with the additional length in the bullpen. Uh, they have a guy that just came off the IL and Nate Pearson who could piggyback off that, right? Yeah, we'll talk about that here. See, the uh, this was the most interesting strategy that has been uh, put out there from any team uh, in, in either league in the wild card round. Normally, you put your best pitcher mm-hmm. in that game one, and Toronto decided to put uh, Hyunjin Ryu on game two. And now, for I, I don't know if any other team where this would make sense, but for them, it does. Because of the no-off days, uh, they wanted to maximize their bullpen, uh, knowing that their strength is not in their starting rotation. So they wanted to be able to use guys in Game 1 and then potentially be able to use them in Game 3 if there is a Game 3 and get length out of Rue in Game 2 to give that breather on the days between the bullpen. So for them, breaking it apart this way, it made a lot of sense. It makes sense for any... There's a couple of teams that we're going to talk about here. Any team that clearly has an ace, actually... And I hadn't thought about this until you mentioned it, but any team that has a clear ace that's a step above should have really pitched him day two. With a strong bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of them coming up that would make a lot of sense, including the team that, you know, yeah. the, the Milwaukee team here I right was now. just thinking that one myself. <laughs> like that's the one that, you know, obviously a local fan of that team, and they, they barely made it in the playoffs, but we'll get to them in a little bit. I'm going to list my my X factor for for, uh, for each team. Uh, and I'm going to let you do yours last because uh, after today, it, it has already uh, proven to be true so far. Uh, so you had this one, uh, one nailed coming in. Uh, the Rays, I, I'm picking a name that we haven't talked about this entire year. Oh, boy. Because he hasn't been on the team there the entire go. year. The Rays are this, with their development, they are confident in all of their players, whether they've pitched uh, an inning uh, in the major leagues or have not pitched a single one. Uh, they've done this throughout their history. Uh, you have uh, David Price, who made a couple of starts in September and then closed out Game 7 of the ALCS for them in 2008. Matt Moore made his debut uh, against the uh, Texas Rangers uh, in the in the playoffs. Kevin Kiermeyer never played an inning uh, in uh, <laughs> major leagues. They bring him in as a defensive uh, replacement in the playoffs. This is what they've done time and time again, and now you have another name uh, that they're doing this year. Shane McClanahan uh, mm-hmm. came from uh, UCF uh, in, in Florida, lefty, mm-hmm. power arm, can hit triple digits. Uh, he is someone who uh, I suspect, especially when you think of no off days, the way they use their bullpen, he is going to get innings in this series. Uh, and uh, kind of a, a hidden weapon uh, that no one has seen uh, and who's going to be pumped up. Uh, uh, throwing that type of uh, heat. It's going to be a good role uh, for him. So I think he's going to get some key innings here in this series. And then, again, go to the other young arm, Nate Pearson coming back. Uh, and whatever, uh, if it's a couple innings, more bullpen style, whatever it is, uh, he definitely has the arm that can uh, uh, bring some overpowering stuff. Can I just say that I had real high hopes for Matt Moore being good, and it never turned out. That was a case of injuries yeah. uh, leaving the what might have been. Yeah, I really like him. He Matt was clear-cut number one prospect in baseball. Uh, he pitched like six shutout innings versus the Rangers in that uh, playoff game. 
Uh, all of it was there, and then the arm injury yeah. happened, and he never was the same player afterwards. I had real hopes. I, they've had a couple of guys like that. I remember going way back, Scott Casimir. He was you know incredible yeah, pitcher Jeremy for the Jeremy Hellickson. Oh, yeah, some of those guys. So I'll go with my X Factors here. Like Dan mentioned, we are actually recording this one after the first game got done, and I have it in paper in front of me, and my X Factor for the Tampa Bay Rays was Manny Margot, and if you watch the game, he connected on a two-run home run today, and that's honestly not why I had him as my X Factor, not for his home run power, but, you know, I'll take it. He's only hit one home run this entire year. That, that's not why I had him on here. I had that he had eight stolen bases this month in limited playing time, and while he may have slowed down a bit lately, the way the Rays play, he could be a real asset as a pinch runner or a defensive replacement. He's been getting a, a solid playing time. He's a great bat versus left-handed pitching, uh, and the speed and defense is uh, all fits Ray's trademarks. Uh, he's uh, uh, someone that's going to be playing a key role throughout the playoffs, however long that goes for them. Uh, and then, yeah, get the two-run shot here to be the difference maker in, in today's game. Uh, you had uh, uh, Snell, uh, Cy well. Young self, mm-hmm. uh, five and two-thirds, nine strikeouts, uh, no runs given up. Uh, looked very, very good out there uh, today. Uh, in this series, uh, well, I guess I should let you do your, your Blue Jays X-Factor before I wrap up. Sure. I'll, I have the, the big guy, Vlad Guerrero Jr. The numbers are still pretty pedestrian from what was probably expected of him. Now, he's still extremely young. The body type is still strange. But I was looking through, I did some of the deeper dives on some of these guys, and the stat cast data is exceptional still. It's all about him pounding the ball into the ground. For a second, it looked like he was maybe taking that Eric Hosmer turn and finally going to start getting a little lift under the ball. And all it takes is a short stretch of some line drives and and some fly balls, and he can pound out some home runs. Because his exit velocity, I think, was in the top 5 percentile. So I still have a lot of confidence in Vladimir Guerrero, and all it takes is, like I said, a short stretch of him hitting some home runs, and he can carry that offense. Without question, he has that type of uh, talent uh, in his bat. Uh, hard to do against uh, the Rays pitching, uh, but mm-hmm. the but the the talent is is definitely there. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So we're now a year in. It might be a shortened year, but how do you feel about the Manny Margot Hunter Renfro for it was Tommy Pham and Emilio Pagan, right? Or was those, am I mixing my trades up? Well, they're being separate trades, but still kind of pieced together. So it's okay to lump them lump them together because mm-hmm. it all kind of uh, pulled together. Uh, so. Thoughts on the the trade a year later? Yep. Uh, Margot has been as advertised. Uh, mm-hmm. He was someone who had uh, already had defensive skills that had the base running. Very uh, Raisian. His, his, yeah, very Raisian. Uh, a platoon bat versus left-handed pitching. But but people always said there was more underneath the surface. The potential was there to be more. The bat has been solid for them. Again, not a power hitter, but everything else that he brings to it. Uh, it's been a very positive uh, uh Addition to the Rays, uh, insurance for if Kevin Kiermaier was sometimes injury and durability issues, uh, you have uh, that type of insurance that is that is there. He's been a great fit uh, on that uh, team. Hunter Renfro has not, uh, in this 60-game stretch, it, it hasn't been there, uh, but neither has Tommy Pham. Tommy yeah, Pham dealt with hand. injury <laughs> issues, and uh, uh, so no one really won out on that. Uh, and Pagan's Pagan, been good, but... The Rays have shown that they can certainly fill in a bullpen as they're, yeah. they didn't set the record. They only tied it. I was hoping they were going to set that one. I call it a push. And a 60-game season, we'll call it a push. They get a little yeah. advantage in that. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's been helped both teams to some extent, right? Yep, agreed. The For me on this one, I got the Rays in, uh, in, in two. It's just the, the pitching is too much. Uh, 
in, in these shortened series, there's no such thing as an upset, in my opinion, because it just takes a couple of bounces for over two games. I mean, that's that's it. Uh, but uh, with their when you're lining up those three, they finally have those guys healthy, stretched out. Uh, they're able to give you the the innings that are needed there. Uh, too much for the as it was today. Uh, Blake Snell overpowered those young hitters, and now instead of from the left side, now you're getting Granky or uh, Glass now. Glass now on the on the right side. Uh, I'll take the Rays and I'll, I'll take the Rays too. I, I'll give the Blue Jays a win. I think Hyunjin Ryu is very solid. I think Hyunjin mm-hmm. Ryu can pitch mm-hmm. with Tyler Glass now, but if it does get to that third day, I'll Charlie Morton maybe not as good as. He wants to be or has he's been expected in the past this year, but I'll take Charlie Morton over Taiwan Walker. So I'll say the Rays in three. Minnesota versus the White Sox. Uh, another divisional uh, matchup here. This is quite a series, if you ask me. This is an exciting one. Now, one of the injuries that's happened is uh, Josh Donaldson is not on the uh, wild card uh, roster. Except it's Minnesota versus. Except I messed it up here. It's Minnesota oh, versus I, Houston. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I, yeah, I Minnesota versus wrong. Houston. Like, there's only that was what was talked about uh, today. That there's only one matchup yep. that featured teams that have actually faced off against each other right. uh, this much. So, uh, so Houston going up against Minnesota here, which is still quite a matchup if you ask me. You were right. Josh Donaldson is not on the roster. Uh, injuries sparked up at the end, and so he is not on the wild card roster, and. Uh, <laughs> He's been gone a lot of the season. He's been injury-prone in the past. He's getting older, and Minnesota's found a way to win without him, and they're going to have to do it again for only three games. Yeah, this is a, a, a challenge to does Minnesota have enough pitching? And Houston hasn't. They've been inconsistent. They haven't been. You know, they lost all their two of their big horses in the rotation, one uh, to free agency, one to injury, uh, and uh and their offense, George Springer's been good. A couple others have been at least okay, but it's it's not what it has been. Players are not playing up to their their level. But for me, I put the X factor for uh, because there only is one, Granky. <laughs> uh, if he because if he gets him a game one win, that offense can click with a home run uh, here or there. It, it changes everything. Uh, in a three game series, if you can if you can nail game one. Uh, then you put yourself in a very good position uh, with an offense that's enough when there's not dominant pitching on the other side. Uh, that's been the, the biggest one. And, man, that was almost uh, terrible to begin that game. Loads the bases in the first inning, struggles with command, a little angry at the umpire for squeezing him, uh, but gets out of it. And I, the, the X factor that goes with it, I'm going to throw in there, is just the stat. The Twins are 0-16 in their last 16 playoff games. They have not won a single playoff game in years. It's got to be in their head by now. It's got to be in their head by now. Rocco Baldelli said before the game, like most of the players that are here, they're not part of that streak. They've never had it. It's not impacting them, but still, they found a way to lose. They found a way to lose game one here. Today was an interesting game. Yeah. yeah. Because Granke starts it off, but they they kind of short-pitched him, too. They only gave him four innings, and like you said, he wasn't as particularly – I mean, for him, one earned run is still effective, but it wasn't as effective as we've seen him be in, in the past. And then they went to Framber Valdez, and they had two guys pitch it all. And the Twins got exactly what they wanted. They couldn't have asked for a better start. Kenta Maeda, five innings, five Ks, didn't yeah. give up an earned run, but Very their good. bullpen blew it. And so the Twins go down 4-1 to one in game one here. And like you said, now it's just a matter of – can the Houston get one more win? And Minnesota burned through their best pitcher. You're not going to see Kenta Maeda. After five innings, you're not going to see Kenta Maeda even in the last game if it comes to that. So 
here's my X factors for Minnesota. I haven't, just like you mentioned with the twins, a guy who's never played a big league roster. I've got Alex Kirilov. So Josh Donaldson's not on the roster. Kirilov, for those of you who don't know, is one of the highest rated prospects in the minor leagues, 27th ranked according to MLB.com. And he is now on the roster. They needed to bring somebody up to replace Donaldson. So he's a left-handed first baseman and an outfield prospect. Um, he dealt with some minor league injuries over the last few years. He had Tommy John a couple of years ago. His future is probably at a corner infield spot, but he can help at first. And the on-base skills are really strong. Really, Two years ago, he was incredible. Last year, still a pretty good year, but I, I don't think he played today. I'll check quick on the box score. He did not, but Nelson Cruz is DH. So you're not going to play him at DH, right? Uh, Miguel Sano led baseball in strikeouts this year, and while he has power for days, Alex Kirilov's on base skills might play a little better, at least in the playoffs. So we'll see uh, for the whites or excuse me for the Houston Astros. I have Jose Altuve. Now Jose Altuve is a all-star player has won much money things this year, but until the last few days uh, has not played like a superstar. He has played quite poorly. He hit his first home run since August 6th last Thursday, but it's a little bit of bad luck. The Babbitt says it's a little bad luck. The K rate is, is up, but maybe he can turn around like George Springer has. <laughs> oh man if you cannot hear dan if you cannot hear dan he is knocking on our pool table that we do our podcast on meaning that uh i think dan is giving me a little inflection here that maybe houston needs to cheat the, i just had a there's a kink in my oh, wrist i had, I had to work that out yeah uh no the like i said you you take care of game one and then with that offense i just need a one or two home runs uh, change this here. You put yourself in the driver's seat with it. This becomes uh, uh, an easy chance to turn the tables on a team that had been very, very good in the regular season. Minnesota's had a great year, uh, but from their playoff woes to uh, now having a battle from behind, I, it's going to be a challenge in the next couple games. So I would expect game two, you see Jose Barrios versus... Lance McCullers, that would be my guess. And then game three, if it goes to that, I don't know who they'll pick between Pineda and Rich Hill. I would expect it to actually be Pineda with maybe Rich Hill following up as a bullpen arm. And then Houston, at this point, because they already pitched Christian Javier, it has to be Jose Urquidy, who's had a very nice year, kind of strangely. doesn't really strike out a lot of guys, which is kind of what you want. But if it gets to game three, the, I think the, the advantage goes back to Minnesota. But it has to get there tomorrow, so we'll see. I think that uh, coming in a three-game series, I, I have Minnesota winning it, uh, but uh, I, I would change my pick after game one results. Again, with Granke getting the win, to me that shifts it. I mean, anytime you get the first win, then you put it into elimination mode for the next two games. I mean, yes, it goes there, but uh, especially with Granke getting it, Houston has a very real chance uh, to keep for a team that had to use the extra playoff spots to actually get in, one of only two teams ever with a below 500 record to make the playoffs. Thank you, expanded uh, playoffs. That's right. Uh, and uh, but they can still hang around. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to watch with Houston. Uh, I think I'd, I th- I think it. I'll still take Minnesota in the three games. I think I think Barrios gets the win tomorrow, and then I said I think they they're dragging the driver's seat. So I'll I'll take Minnesota still in three games, but. Houston's definitely made it hard for him. So let's talk Oakland versus White Sox. Uh, it was an interesting game one uh, today that one. we'll uh, we'll get to here. Uh, but uh, let's talk uh, X factors. Uh, uh, for me, with uh, uh, 
the White Sox offense has been so good, uh, and Jose Abreu is the MVP candidate right now, uh, and he has the bat that when it's hot, it carries a team. Uh, and so he's my X factor. It's an obvious one, but it's a big one, uh, and he's been so good for them. Uh, and uh, at this point, there's no yeah. there's no denying he's the MVP, right? At yeah. this point, we're just saying it's it's happening. Yeah, and he yeah. and I said we're recording this after that. He had a home run today in that game. I went a little smaller with my X factor, actually quite a bit physically smaller. And I went to a guy that I've talked about on this podcast a few times, Nick Madrigal. He's done exactly yeah. what I've expected for him. Ninety eight at bats this year, he hit three forty four. He struck out seven times. If there's one thing the White Sox do probably too much of it, strike out a lot. Now, they hit a lot of home runs, a, very, a lot of home runs. But having a person like Nick Madrigal, at, they batted him ninth most of the season, and it's understandable they have a very deep lineup. But he can start a lot of rallies down there, and all it, instead when, of hitting those solo home runs, get when, some guys on. And back-to-back -back with Tim Anderson, so you have two uh -huh. high-contact players good. before you get the big boppers. Uh, coming As through we there. sat here and watched this, we're watching the White, they're the Yankees and the Indians on right now, and you mentioned solo home runs, right? That's what the Indians have hit. The, Ed Bray hit a three-run home run today, right? Got to have people on base, and Nick Madrigal has some of the strongest on-base skills in baseball already. Who's your X-Factor for the A's? Uh, for where's my Oakland team? For Oakland here, I went to Jake Lamb. So Jake Lamb, Matt Chapman's gone. We talked about Matt Chapman being gone. And Jake Lamb came over, and I think I kind of poo-pooed it and didn't give it a whole lot of fanfare. And he was basically left for dead in Arizona, but in an exceptionally small sample size. I think it was 50-some at-bats. He was like better than adequate in Oakland. Now, they're going to need him to play like that as long as this postseason continues because that's a big loss when you lose Matt Chapman. But if he can hit – I think he hit 267 I got down for them with – with Oakland. If he can do it like that, then that's adequate, and that's what they need to fill in. Mark Canha that's is, a good the, one. is the one that I have here because he's a, a glue guy that can be thrown in a lot of different positions, and he hits really well. Uh, he reminds me, I don't know why, I don't know if you see this comparison at all or not, but he reminds me of, of Max Muncy with the Dodgers. Just Got a, the strong a, ace on base skills. Yeah, just walk the, today. someone who has that uh, a chance to be in a couple of different spots that can uh, uh, come up with a, a key hit. When I look at their lineup, yeah. they kind of have an entire lineup of uns like unsung. Absolutely. Tommy Stella, Robbie Grossman, Mark Canna, Chad Pinder, like Sean Murphy. I mean, Rob Marcus Simeon almost won MVP. wasn't as good this year, but their entire lineup is kind of these unsung heroes almost. <laughs> and they're, they worked, right? They, they won how many games this year? 37, I think, right? And then you have, because uh, we, we can't talk about individual players without talking about the one today, uh, mm -hmm. Lucas Giolito. Uh, had a uh, perfect, game. perfect game going into the seventh uh, and uh, shut down that lineup. Uh, and that was a, from start to finish, that was their game. Uh, it was 4-1. Uh, uh, to one. I think it ended up being 5-1. Is that what it ended up? the 4-1. Ended four up 4-1, okay. yep. Ended 4-1. to one. So they got home runs from Abreu and Grandal. And there's, excuse me, they had home runs from Abreu, Engel, and Grandal. So I guess Abreu was only a two-run shot. I was wrong on that. But... Yeah, Giolito was incredible. He's been awesome the entire year. He had, I think, a rough start to start the season. He's basically been unhittable for literally in one game, but most of the stretch of the season, he's been excellent. And the A's rolled out their young stud, Jesus Lazardo. He wasn't bad, three and a third, three earned, but he gave up the two home runs. So now it becomes down, down to a two-game series, and Oakland's got to win them both. And now Oakland has some strange pitchers. So Chris Bassett, I thought, was going to pitch game one. That was kind of my guess. He's been very good this year with some weird peripherals, so maybe not the guy I'd go with. 
Frankie Montas has been pretty bad this year until he had a very nice start against the Dodgers at the very end of the year, which kind of caught me off guard. Sean Manaya has been better lately and Mike Fire. So I have no idea what they're going to do at this point for games two and three. Now with the White Sox, I know they're going to roll Dallas Keuchel out there for game two. I'm very confident in that. And then they're going to go Dylan Cease. And I would expect that they'll actually piggyback Dylan Cease with Dane Dunning. So at this point, the White Sox already got a win and they have better pitching. So I don't know how I can't pick the White Sox in either two or three. Yeah, the White Sox is who I had in this one just with their offense of getting, uh, they have the power. Yes, uh, uh, it's uh, challenging over a long stretch to rely on that in the playoffs because good pitching mm-hmm. can uh, definitely silence those types of bats. But uh, in this particular one, I like the White Sox. I had the White Sox before today too, so it's not like I'm flip-flopping on that one. That gets us to our last series in the American League, and that's the one that's going right now. Cleveland is currently up. I can't see the score. Can you see the score count there? Seven to two is is the Yankees. Oh, the Yankees are, are up. Excuse me, are up seven to two. Uh, the home runs. The Yankee offense has reawakened with guys coming back from injury. You have Judge. You have Stanton. You have uh, Lemayhew. Uh, these guys are uh, doing exactly what you pay them to do. Now this was hyped as the best pitching matchup uh, that you were going to sure have been. in the playoffs. Bieber versus Cole. Uh, and uh, I, there's always you, you get nervous. The the Indians are so reliant on their dominant pitching. Uh, if the offense does get to it, they don't have the offense to respond. And so we've seen the solo shots here. They they don't have a consistent offense that can get on base that does other things. They can give you the occasional home run. Josh Naylor did that here uh, for one of their their shots. Uh, but this is uh, the concern. If Bieber wasn't uh, uh, dominant, who had the the triple crown from a pitching standpoint, yes, he he, it just an incredible year, Cy Young slam dunk, uh, but uh, it just wasn't here today. I think he gave up more runs today than I did. He gave up maybe in two, three start, four and two thirds, seven earned runs, gave up two home runs. Yeah, that is just not what we've seen out of him this year, and could be some playoff stuff. Could just be a little regression of the mean. He's not always going to be that dominant, but. The Indians needed this game, right? The Indians yes. really needed this game. So uh, the Yankees going to throw out, I would assume, Masahiro Tanaka tomorrow. And then in game three, that's a hard one because the Yankees' depth of rotation is really weak considering how good of a team they are. But Debbie Garcia, J.A. Happ, Cleveland rolls out Bieber today. They're going to roll Carrasco out tomorrow. Excellent pitcher. And then I would expect to see Zach Plesak in game three should it go to that. So my X factors, I picked a Cleveland Indians bullpen arm. So James Karinchak, he's been overshadowed by Devin Williams becoming the best non-closer in the game, and we'll get to Devin Williams in a little bit. But 47% K rate. He struck out 50 guys in 26 innings. The reason that he has not overtaken Brad Hand as the closer at this point is he still walks too many guys. But at some point, he's the future closer of the Indians. And so what you'd like to see in this game would be Shane Bieber gave you six innings, seven innings, and then you could just turn it to Karinchak in hand and get the game over with. So that's that's now we got to become the – it's going to have to be what they do tomorrow. I picked uh, bats for, for both. Uh, Jose Ramirez has been uh, uh, more than Lindor. You're talking about the bat that has been driving uh, what has been the, the Indians' offense. Uh, they need him to be that guy. They don't have depth here. They need their star players to be star players in, in this type of series. And then Aaron Judge, uh, healthy. He uh, hits them for miles. Uh, he did today. Uh, and uh, uh, that's what I'm seeing because the, the pitching is going to be there. Uh, so you need someone who can actually come up with a clutch hit. 
if we would have had our on a heater this week, Jose Ramirez would have been my pick. I don't know. The last two weeks, six home runs, 18 RBIs, hit 396, made a late push to try to get Jose Abreu's MVP award from him. I think it'll still stay with Abreu. But, yes, Jose Ramirez has been incredible the last couple of weeks to really start carrying that offense. Mine is Clint Frazier for the Yankees. Mm. He really has been the Yankees' second-best outfielder all year. Like At this point, I think he's their second-best outfielder behind Judge because Stanton's not playing the outfield anytime soon just because he's so fragile. So, And at this point, anytime they play Brett Gardner or Aaron Hicks, like today, over him, I think it's a mistake. He really gets on base too high. He hits for power. He's still backed up, and the – you can't explain to me how the Yankees' best lineup doesn't involve Clint Frazier at this point. He just uh, he performs when he's called into duty, but he's never given quite the recognition, even from his own manager, uh, the way that he he should. Now, again, sometimes when you can fill in better, people like it when you can when they can throw you in there, and then you just get stuck in a role when you can do more. Uh, and he I think just, that seems to be that's uh, Clint kind of Frazier. what's happened here, and it's it's sad because, like I said, I. Brett Gardner is a fine, you know, Yankees legend and the owner guard. Like, probably doesn't get the credit for how good he's really been. Aaron Hicks has battled some injuries. He's got a couple walks tonight, scored a couple runs, but Clint Frazier needs to be in the Yankees lineup. That's all I'm going to say on that one. Let's move over to the National League. Yeah, well, who do you got for uh, uh, winning that series? Oh, excuse me. Uh, well, at this point, now that I know that the Yankees are going to win game one, I'm going to take the Yankees. I actually. Before that, I'd picked Cleveland, but now knowing that you know, unless some miracle happens here for Cleveland, uh, I don't see the I don't see the Yankees dropping two games in a row. Their offense is clicking right now, and and in a short series like this, it's enough to get them by without exposing their lack of of pitching. Uh, and uh, I would agree with you. Yankees are going to make uh, make this one here, which means uh, if the predictions hold, that's true, what you wanted, right? Rays and the Yankees collision course is coming next. I believe that was you at the game, the series that you wanted. Yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta beat him if you want to actually make it to, uh, to anything. So, uh, be a good one. and I like that one. We'll talk about that in another week, uh, with right. it, but the, uh, what you love there is it's a better matchup exposing the, uh, Yankees lack of pitching depth. Mm-hmm. I wanted them in five, not in three. Because uh, it's a better testament to uh, uh, team strength versus uh, uh, team strength. So we'll see what happens there. But National League, we got Dodgers versus Brewers. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a Milwaukee Brewers fan. Obviously, you know that by now. And the Brewers, we just got to talk about how the Brewers get in. So we're down to the last day and the actually the last two days. And the Brewers lose both. The Phillies lose both. San Francisco loses both. And the Brewers back their way into the playoffs at 29-31. and 31. So... The Brewers do make the playoffs, but uh, this is one of the most one-sided, on paper, on paper, right? I always got to say on paper. On paper, this is maybe the most lopsided playoff matchup I've ever seen. So the Dodgers had the best record in baseball this year, and if I look at their rotation that sets up, Mueller's going to pitch game one, I believe. They've announced that, and Kershaw's going to pitch game two, and then it's literally maybe five options who are better than the Brewers' option for game three. They could throw Dustin May out there. They could throw Julio Urias out there. They could throw Alex Wood out there. There's some rumors of them going with Bruce Dark Gratterall and then having Urias back him up. The Dodgers are flushed with pitching options. Now, the Brewers would love to start with Brandon Woodruff and then roll Corbin Burns out there, but injury, Corbin Burns left his last start early after only 81 pitches with an oblique strain. So he is on the IL. So I don't know if he can pitch if they should somehow win this series. I would hope that he could be back for the next series, but you will not see Corbin Burns in this shortened three-game series. If you had Woodruff and Corbin Burns, anything can happen. 
really. And they could have actually had a chance. Like I shouldn't say that. They could have a chance in the series still, but you'd feel a lot more confident with at least two aces out there. So I think Woodruff will probably go game one. It'll be a day early. Then Josh Lindblom or Brad Anderson or a bullpen day is what it's going to have to be. Like a sprint sewer maybe starts or something like that. And to me, this is one where the Toronto strategy makes sense. You have yeah, Woodrow, uh, Woodruff day two. Do a uh, a bullpen day for the game one and mix and match, and then you have Woodruff for game two. I think that's it. Does make sense? And, and their uh, and their current predicament that would actually make a lot of sense. Uh, your X factors. So the Dodgers have such a deep team that it's really hard to pick one actually because every one of their players is kind of a well known superstar. As we watch, oh, a home run. Is that Stanton? Hold on. Uh, Brett Gardner, after I rip on him, hits a home run. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Gavin Lux is the one I decided to go for. He's a top prospect who really wasn't needed this year. They just have so much depth within their team that Lux wasn't called on to play much this season. And while when he did play, other than his batting average, which was really pulled down by a bad bad bip, the rest of his numbers were basically in line with his whole minor league career. He may not start a game the entire series against the Brewers. I wouldn't be surprised, but he's a dangerous bat to have on your bench and I would expect by next year, Chris Taylor finds the pine, goes to a backup role, and their middle infield in Los Angeles for the next five years is Corey Seager and Gavin Lux. Uh, my X factors are going to be, uh, first, the the sage, the veteran, Kershaw. You need him to show that he's, he's Got still... Got that playoff figured out? Yeah. That's so, always the so, Kurt and Kershaw thing, right? So that uh, goes back there. Uh, something that's been consistent for, uh, for being a, a challenge... Uh, in, in previous seasons, and then it's uh, Devin Williams. Uh, the Same rookie, one I got for that. Uh, who uh, has had a fantastic year, but it's playoffs, and it's the Dodgers. And to be able to, uh, you're going to get in more key situations uh, within this or have the potential to. Uh, if things are close, uh, that bullpen is what's needed to give uh, uh, the Brewers a, a chance. So we mentioned Devin Williams on this podcast a few times also, but Devin Williams is a legitimate Rookie of the Year candidate in the National League. He because he won reliever of the month last month, and he's a reliever of the year candidate without a single save. Just the numbers. He faced 100 batters this year. You got to guess how many hits he gave up? How many innings was it? Uh, 100 batters is what I got here. Exactly so 100 many, batters how, faced. How many, how many uh, hits? I'll go 18. Eight. Wow. Eight hits and 100 batters with nine walks. Struck out 53. So, like you said, the Brewers are going to need to rely on their bullpen. He gave up one earned run all year. He's a .33 ERA. You got to hope that Devin Williams can give you, ideally, Woodruff gives you a seven or six, Williams gives you two, and Hayter gives you one. And you get, get one win, and then you maybe luck into another one. Now, if I'm predicting this series, I'll, I'll still take the Dodgers in two games. Same. The next series is uh, Atlanta versus uh, Cincinnati, and this was the matchup, I think, that we're – we're most intrigued by of, of American League and National League. The one that's uh, curious to see because we both picked Cincinnati uh, to uh, win the NL Central. Uh, we saw the potential that was there and what they were putting together. And the throughout, what, four-fifths of this season, it never materialized uh, into actual uh, winning results. I think I was about ready to... I think I maybe I finally said I'm giving up on this team, and then they finally figured it out, so... Cincinnati has the best, probably the best three-person rotation that any of these teams can throw out there with Castillo, Bauer, and Gray. So we actually think it's going to go Bauer, Castillo, Gray now. Trevor Bauer at this point should win the National League Cy Young. He let that be known on his Twitter that he thinks he should win it too, as he is prone to do. 
And he's it, usually pretty shy on, on oh, yeah. Twitter feed, oh, yeah, that's so that's kind of shocking. You never know where he stands, right? Uh, Atlanta's rotation is extraordinarily young, and it's asking a lot out of these guys. Max and Fried injured. Is, yeah, all that too. Max Fried has been – he got actually pulled his last start. He was fielding a bunt, made it an inning. They say he's fine. He's going to go game one against Trevor Bauer. And then it's Ian Anderson and Bryce Wilson. Cole Hamels, we talked about, he got off the aisle. He's back on the aisle. He had shoulder fatigue. So they are literally asking on Max Fried and a couple of rookies to compete against a guy who's going to win a Cy Young, Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray, who have both, I believe, finished in the top 10 of Cy Young voting in their own rights at different times. It is asking a lot out of a young Atlanta rotation. Now, Atlanta's thing is not only have they had good, good enough pitching, they may very well have the best offense in baseball. I would agree with that. I think that that's we kept asking after when you see all the stats throughout the year, you see Max Fried's ERA and then the rest uh, of the team rotation. Yeah, the rest of the rotation's ERA, and you look at them like, how are they still winning their division? How are they still doing this? That offense is why my X factor is. Uh, it'd be easy to say Freddie Freeman, who's an MVP candidate in the National League, with that. But I'm going with his teammate Azuna. Uh, he has been the uh, other person who has been uh, so good and driving uh, that offense. Uh, banked on himself with a one-year deal, uh, and uh, now he's going to get himself paid quite well uh, after this uh, career year. Uh, and they need that offense to keep driving, and especially against Cincinnati's uh, uh, pitching, that's going to be uh, strength versus strength and which wins out. Yeah, so Azuna's a superstar, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Adam Duvall. They need someone, like I go into a little more of an overlooked slugger, I think, and that's Dansby Swanson. He really has been overlooked for how good he's been. He has 48 runs scored this year. He's had nine home runs, 33 RBIs, and five steals while playing a very good defensive shortstop. Someone has to set the table for those guys. It's been Dansby Swanson all year, and the Braves have a great offense, and they're going to need it. So, Cincinnati's was a little harder for me, and I went back to the bullpen, actually, on this one, and I took Amir Garrett. He's been a little lucky because he has 100% left on base rate, which is usually more like 80, but the FIP and the ERA match up pretty closely. He's really dropped his walk rate this year, and he's the bridge, right? You get the good start you hope for out of those guys, and then you bridge the gap to Raziel Iglesias. They're very good closer, so I think uh, Amir Garrett, if they can have a lead going into the seventh inning, eighth inning, he can give you two innings, and there's a win. That's how you're going to have to piece this together. Uh, and uh, uh, Cincinnati, we talk about their pitching, but it's you need that hitting to, to show something too. And they started getting more hot towards the end of the year. Uh, but uh, I, he still hasn't been able to put it together. But yeah, Eugenio Suarez, I mean, that's uh, you're talking about an NL home run leader. Uh, and not just an all-or-nothing bat either. This is one of the best bats in the National League that, again, one of those key players that just hasn't had it click this year in this in this weird year. Uh, but that's, that's who pick. I want to see get that's started. Pick. That's a really good pick because, like you said, he's a guy, two months last year, we would have said Jose Ramirez, what's wrong with him, right? What's really wrong with him? And he turned out to be just fine, and he's clicking on all eights now, and maybe Eugenio Suarez gets hot and figures it out again because, like you said, he's shown he can do it before. I'll take Cincinnati in three. I'm going to say Cincinnati from the seventh seed beats Atlanta in three games. And I hope it goes three games because I want to see these teams play each other. I think it goes three as well. I think there's just enough on each side to make this interesting. Uh, I'm hesitating on my pick because the Yankees are showing that, yes, an offense can beat good pitching and crushing it is now 11-2 to two, uh, in, in this one. Uh, but I'm going to go Cincinnati as well. Uh, 
Might as well stick with it. Double down. Uh, yeah, hopefully they still they, they make me look good at some point here. We're simpatico here on our picks. Yeah. yeah. Now we're at uh, the Cubs and uh, Marlins, and this is established pitching versus young pitching. Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting matchup. That is an excellent description. So Chicago's already said they're going with Kyle Hendricks in game one. And then you expect you Darvish game two. And then I'd expect John Lester in game three. So like you said, that's established. We all know exactly what you're getting in Kyle Hendricks and you Darvish and John Lester, except you don't know what pitch you're getting from you Darvish of his like 15 that he throws. But with Miami, you're getting all the young guys, uh, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, and you're going to get Sixto Sanchez. I would actually expect it to go Lopez, Sixto Alcantara. Uh, for their injuries, we should mention Jose Urania. He took a liner in one of the – I think it was actually the last game of the year. So he'd been pitching another starter for them. Took a liner off DJ LeMayhew and broke his right forearm. He will not pitch this playoffs. And Starling Marte got hit in the head in the last game against the Yankees, and he, they pulled him out early. They're diagnosing it as an ear contusion, so they expect him to play. Did you actually see that he played 61 games this year because of the trade? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he got 61 games in a 60-game season. That's impressive. That only one to pull that. Uh, he was the only one, one to pull off. this one off this year. Yeah, with uh, the Marlins losing a lot of their games early on, mm-hmm. I gave a chance to catch mm-hmm. all of them That's despite right. the, the trade. Interesting. Uh, I'll do my X factor for the Cubs. Okay, I'm asking you some questions here. Have you seen the Chris Bryant numbers this year? I've not actually. Okay, so he doubled his home runs and RBIs in the last two games. He ended the year. He had two home runs, and he ended the year with four home runs. He had two home runs in the last two games and eleven RBIs. He had. Five RBIs when I made type this up on Friday. He ended with two home, four home runs and 11 RBIs. And there's some concerns there. I have legitimate concerns that Chris Bryant is just done at this point from being anything close to what he was a few years ago. The walk rate really dropped down. He's not barreling. Wow, what a bullet. Anyways, he is not barreling the ball at all. And I, I don't think he's done. I don't think he's the type of person that we thought he was going to be. Now, could he get hot? He's the type of person that if he did get hot, he maybe he does help the Cubs win this whole thing. But I said, I have legitimate concerns that at some point that Chris Bryant is just never going to develop or get anywhere close back to that MVP caliber. I, that's the, the concern right now. The, there are enough injuries and enough other things that are going on. It's hard to, uh, to say anything concretely in this weird year. We've seen a lot of, of uh, players who are established who should have good numbers who haven't uh, this year. Uh but uh, that's the concern with, uh, with with Bryant, and easy to make him an X-factor just from that alone and then getting hot in the last couple of games. Can he finally click into into, uh, uh, into gear? Because if you have him going strong, again, another guy that can carry a team. Uh, and uh, uh, for me, the the biggest X-factor in this, uh, this series, I'll agree with you with Bryant uh, from the Cubs' standpoint, but I got Alcantara uh, on that because... Uh, Sisto Sanchez, uh, his uh, uh, the the biggest name because also the hype from the the JT Realmuto trade, uh, but if you look at uh, Alcantara has seven starts and what's impressive is in all but one he has pitched six or more innings uh, in every Blake single Snell one of his learn. starts. If only Blake Snell could learn how to do that. <laughs> well, there's not a lot of guys that are, are at that <laughs> no, point right now, uh, and he has gotten better. Uh, with every start, his last start, seven and a third, uh, gave up two earned runs, nine strikeouts. Uh, he is uh, that was against the Yankees, wasn't it? Yeah, I, yeah this this is a, he has been getting better uh, throughout this, and it's those young arms that are going to be so important. Sisto Sanchez, Alcantara, and they are good enough 
to uh, upset this here again. We talked about, and I've mentioned, I don't, I don't view anything as an upset at this point outside of Brewers over Dodgers. That probably about the only upset uh, on all of these. Otherwise, there are scenarios for winning this series for all these teams. It's just a three-game series. Anything can happen. I'm, I, agree, I absolutely agree with that, and I think this is going to be my big surprise pick here. But I'm going to go with John Birdie as my X-Factor for the Marlins. He really was a quad-A player who bounced around the whole career. Uh, Toronto finally found a home in Miami the last year, and then this year. He's very versatile to play defensively, but he's kind of found a home at second base for them recently since they got rid of Jonathan VR. He's kind of found a home there at second base. No power to speak of. But has speed, nine steals this year, and really knows how to use it. He's bunted for hits. He's got the highest bunted for hit rate in baseball. And he's someone I mentioned, like, Vlad Guerrero has a high ground ball rate, and it doesn't work for him because he's just not very quick. And John Birdie has a high ground ball rate, but it does work for him because of that he maintains a high batting average, and he's batting towards the top of that lineup. And now that they got Starling Marte and Jesus Aguilar and Brad Anderson, some of these guys, or Brian Anderson, excuse me, some of these guys that had some surprisingly good offensive years, I think this Marlins team is actually pretty good. I do, too. Like I said, I, I mentioned in our last podcast that I see a lot of 2008 Rays. Yeah. Just a young, hungry team. There's talent there. Just very raw. Uh, but it's coming together and coming together fast. I'm going to pick the Marlins in this. Uh, I think it's going to be a three-game series, and uh, there's enough young young pitching uh, to to do this. I did not ex- man. I did not expect us to be the same this much. I also have the Marlins in three. I I think that in a three game series, that's not that the pitching wise, it's very even. If you ask me, as much as good as you Darvish is and John yeah. Lester and yeah. Kyle Hendricks, and they like you said they have experience. Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, and Sixto Sanchez have shown that they are real solid. And I don't think you said they have nothing to lose at this point. They're just going to go out there and throw what their hearts desire. They're playing with house money, yep. and I, and right now either either they can make you timid. Uh, and just nervous for your first playoff taste, or out there just not even thinking about it and just going at it. And so, again, this pick is not a uh, the Cubs are, are messing something up, and so therefore the uh, Marlins win. This is not a knock on, on Chicago at all. Uh, it's more just acknowledging the Marlins getting hot at the right time. It's the right recipe of everything coming together. I just see them winning uh, in three with this. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs do, uh, but right now the my, my prediction, like I said, is Marlins in three. Over, under, if you watch those three games, the number of times Steve Bartman gets mentioned. More than I'd want to vomit, let's put it that <laughs> way. Then. That's, uh, they just won't, uh, even after winning a, uh, a World Series, they won't let that go. I remember seeing something, I forget what I was watching, but it's a clip, he it was on TV, oh, saw the clip Marlins again. Marlins Cubs, right? And I don't, leave it alone, folks. <laughs> leave it alone. Let let the man rest. <laughs> Everyone's come to peace with this. Uh, that was the full welcoming back into the fold after yeah. winning the World Series. Now let it go. Uh, even Bill Buckner doesn't get mentioned this much anymore within it. Let some decades get beyond this. Let the guy have his anonymity. Let that be buried. That's that's where that needs to go. Uh, but when we look at the final uh, matchup uh, of the National League, we have the, the Padres versus the Cardinals. Uh this is another one that I don't view as being close. This one's weird because there's so many injuries. The Padres yeah, yeah, have some yep. injuries. Like, if, if I went in with 100% confidence that all three Padres starters were going to pitch, I'd say, yeah, I, I don't see it being close either. But Lamette got pulled from his last start early for bicep tightness, and as of an hour ago, 
Manager Jace Tingler indicated Tuesday that he's unsure whether or not he'll be part of the wild card roster. So that would be a big blow. Now they have another big blow is that Mike Clevenger, originally it was he might miss all the postseason with a sprained right elbow. Then there was hope for the NLCS. Then he threw some bullpen stuff, and now there's hope that maybe he'll be back tomorrow. So if Clevenger and the Met are pitching. Even one of them. Sure. Then, yeah, I don't. San Diego on paper should win this series handily. Now, if they don't, it becomes a much different story. Mackenzie Gore is oh, being talked about. Oh, I would love it. Uh, if there is a major injury, if both of those are out, they will bring him up and let him take his best swing. Good. I, he's my pick for the National League Rookie of the Year. I want to see it. Let him do it. So they still got Chris Paddock, right? Yep. Zach yep. Davies, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, has been very solid for them. Zach Davies, real good. So it's not, and Mackenzie Gore, you mentioned that. Like if you had, uh, we've talked about Mackenzie Gore in here a few times. He's a young lefty, excellent pitcher. Please, please, please use him. Now, I didn't expect San Diego to be this good this fast. I did mention that even when we went back and thought there was only going to be one wildcard team, that was my pick. But San Diego, if they get the pitching that they need, they should win this series handily. Now, the Cardinals pitching, they have said they're going to go with Kwon Young Kim in game one, Jack Flaherty in game two, and Wainwright, I'm assuming, in game three if they need him. Like, this is very much almost the same thing with the Cubs, right? Those are all, maybe not Kyung Young Kim, but he's pitched very good in his debut year here in America. And so you know what you're getting at Adam Wainwright. He's a Cardinals postseason legend. And uh, Jack Flaherty has been actually inconsistent the last few weeks, but specifically against the Brewers somehow. And then, uh, but San Diego should have the better pitching. The, especially when the, the Cardinals offense has not been good. Uh, so you don't need super strong pitching here. You can get by. In fact, what I would love the most, uh, if, uh, if, uh, Clevenger can pitch like a game three, then I want Mackenzie Gore in in game two with Davies as your insurance or piggybacking, uh, with it, because then you have two guys that throw completely differently, uh, and which will throw off batters. You don't need to get more than like three to four innings out of Gore. Uh, so you keep that small. I think that's a nice uh, combo right there that that works, and then you have Clevenger for Game Three. That's what I would like to see within it, uh, and uh, I just have no confidence in, in the Cardinals. Uh, now watch them just get hot and do something. We've but, seen uh, it before, right? They uh, had the worst record that one. They had, I believe, they had the worst record before the Brewers and the Astros to ever get in as far as winning percentage, and they won that year. So we've seen it before with St. Louis. They have some magic in their water over there or something, but. My X factor, I'll start with St. Louis this time. I have Dylan Carlson. So Dylan Carlson was pretty bad for a number of the season. Uh, the season yeah, number we, we, ta- we hyped him up as uh, someone we saw as being a, a perfect fit for the DH, mm-hmm. and then the numbers were not there at all. But the end of the year, he got it together the last couple of weeks. He was recalled after a few weeks in the minors, and he looked much more comfortable. He ended up hitting, and we're only talking about a week here, so it's extremely small. But in one week, at least that last week, he had six extra base hits, and he had nine hits total and 27 at-bats. So a little more confident. Maybe he's figured something out. And just said, Maybe it's just a confidence thing. He's very talented. In the playoffs, I like glue guys, uh, guys mm-hmm. that just do a little bit of everything. They can steal a base. They can get a hustle hit, uh, a key hit, things like that. And so Tommy Edmond... Uh, is is who I have here with, with the Cardinals. If they are going to make any sort of movement in the playoffs, that's the type of guy that you need to inject some life into that offense. That's a good one. I like Tommy Edmund. My San Diego X-Factor, I put Drew Pomeranz. 
he didn't like that stay one. the closer. He did not become the closer. They went with Rosenthal, and he's been excellent. But until Friday, he had not given up an earned run all season. In 18 innings, his ERA was zero. He gave up a couple of earned runs on Friday and has raised his ERA, obviously. Now, there's a little bit of luck in that. You're, you give up you know, zero earned runs that long is a little lucky, but it's still. The, the Padres have a strong starting rotation when they're all healthy, and they have a strong back of the bullpen with Pagan, Pomeranz, and Rosenthal. They can shorten games. They can take a good lead into there and they have a strong offense. So on paper, this, if you ask me, I said, this is not, should not be a close series. My X factor is going with the kiss principle. Keep it simple. Stupid. Fernando Tatis. Tatis. Is it Machado this, or Tatis? Then? This is his, uh, again, Machado has now uh, surpassed in terms of results. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Tatis as being the prime young player has overshadowed with the, uh, with the, his potential and what he's done. But this is where names are made. This is where you show yourself. Juan Soto uh, last year, like he's he's a, a legend already at age like nineteen because of how <laughs> much he dominated in the postseason, uh, and then now it's just ex- expected, and that's a good thing. Uh, but this is Tatis's moment to do that, uh, and that's what I want to see happen. It certainly could happen, like you said, he was. He had a couple of huge home runs to beat. I was watching those San Francisco-San Diego games closely because I was hoping, you know, San San Francisco would lose and the Brewers would win and be clinching, but that didn't happen. But, you know, whatever. But, yeah, Tatis had a couple of monstrous home runs in that series, and maybe he's starting to – he had a little bit of a cold stretch in early September, but maybe he's starting to come out of it. Like you said, this is when names are made, and he he seems like a player that loves the spotlight, right? Absolutely, Uh, and just soaking it all in. Spotlights never shine brighter than in October. A uh, uh, different shortstop uh, would remind us as much as I hate to talk about pinstripes. So that's where we. Uh, uh, can we, we, know can that we say as well. that he's a good GM now? The Marlins I, made the playoffs. You know, I guess that's a great uh, side note as we uh, start wrapping up here is uh, Derek Jeter putting this young team together uh, and uh, trying to exude patience uh, with a team that is and a fan base that has been burned so many times. Uh, but is there any other collection of uh, young talent? that you'd be wanting to move forward with. And, and also they picking up the veterans that they did guys that were still at least solid players. Uh, it's, uh, I think we all crashed to him. Uh, yeah. I, I, we, there's still some strange trades he's made there. I still don't think he got enough out of Azuna and maybe or Yelich, but yeah, like I said, you got to put a give it to him. His team got in the postseason, and I say it, I think they're going to be good for years to come. Well, let's put it this way. When you look back at the talent they had and what little they did with it, yeah. Uh, so it wasn't like those guys were winning your playoffs uh, the way that was going. So if you have now. Don uh, Mattingly for coach of the year. Yes, I, I would agree with that completely. Yep. Uh, that's a, a slam dunk for what's been done there to get those guys, uh, letting them believe they can accomplish anything. Good. Uh, and that's a, a key thing. So uh, for me, San Diego, wrapping up San Diego in, uh, in two, I don't think that's a three game series. Uh, and uh, we should just end with uh, the most important one where everyone's been on pins and needles uh, this entire time. I know it. Uh, our final Pirates positive of the year as the regular season is over. Uh, this is our, our last uh, fond farewell uh, to the Pittsburgh Pirates 2020 COVID season. So Pittsburgh, this is not a positive, but Pittsburgh ends the year at 19-41. and 41. <laughs> It is the, the worst record in baseball. 
And uh, we definitely we got that. We we thought it'd be Oakland or number Baltimore. One pick, number one pick. Baltimore, See? Pittsburgh. That's true. You do yeah, get the number one pick. Go. That would be that's that's a bonus positive. That's by about the way. bonus positive. We they have something. They really do. They found something to build off. Keep Ryan Hayes was a guy that we talked about at third base previews a long time ago here, and he got just got done winning the rookie of the month for the National League in the month of September and looked really solid. He he was kind of thought of as a defense first player with a solid bat and the defense looks great but he hit 376 with seven doubles five homers and 11 rbis in 24 games now experience again extremely small sample size here so it's not maybe going to be that good but you can plan to see key brian hayes manning third base full-time for pittsburgh in 2021 and it's a building block you have a legitimate building block uh, that is uh, that is there. So be like George Costanza and end on a high note. Uh, <laughs> so that's what you got there. Uh, and we'll do the same. Uh, that's our, our podcast for uh, for this week. We'll see what happens in the uh, uh, the wild card uh, round. Recap and, the wild card round next week and, and talk about the division series, right? Correct. And uh, I'll have to look at the schedule. We might have to come out with one a little bit earlier than uh, yeah, usual, we'll depending upon it. when that uh when the next round ends. kicks off. So okay. with that, uh, enjoy uh, playoff baseball this week. Go Brewers.